got a Super Bowl to talk about with the guy who joins us now on the Harbor One Hotline, our buddy Brian Baldinger of NFL Network, and he's an Odyssey NFL insider, and the insider calls are brought to you by Old Spice, Men Have Skin Too, and by Wise Snacks. No one does crunchy, salty, or cheesy better than Wise Snacks. Baldy, it's Gresham Fourier. Good morning. How are you? Good morning, guys. I'm doing fantastic, man. Well, we're uh, we're hoping that the Patriots can find a uh, an offensive coordinator soon enough. It feels like they're gonna have to be like uh, you know the old Peanuts cartoon with like uh, hey here's your lemonade. They're gonna set up a stand and start interviewing people. Hopefully they call you Baldy, but we'll get to that because I want to get to these conference championship games and it feels like with all the buzz surrounding both that they haven't been talked about very much. I'm curious, Baldy, because you break it down from the inside out. What was what stood out to you about the way the Chiefs found a way to beat Baltimore in a year where it seemed like everything was set up for Baltimore to go to the Super Bowl? Yeah, I agree. Uh, a couple things. One, uh, for whatever reason, well, Spags' game plan, Steve Spagnola, defense coordinator, he said we're gonna we're gonna play our three big linebackers, Nick Bolton, uh, Drew Tranquil, Leo Chanel, and we're gonna just basically crowd the box. And we're going to stop you from running the ball and deter you from running it. And they did, surprisingly. Lamar had two designed runs the entire afternoon. He had a couple of scrambles, but only two designed runs. And so Spag said, we'll put our corners on your wide receivers, and we're going to man you up. And if you can beat us, you beat us that way. And you know, honestly, like they had eight incompletions on deep shots down the field. And it didn't matter if it was Trent McDuffie or Legereus Sneed or Jalen Watson or Joshua Williams. They all defended the deep ball. And so that was that part. And then on offense, I thought a big part of the game plan, especially in the first half, was let's get the ball out of Mahomes' hands as quickly as possible. We don't care if it's a four-yard stop route to, you know, Travis Kelsey, whoever it is. We're going to throw the ball before you can get to us. And the league, you know, the team that led the league in sacks, we're not holding the ball. We're just going to stay on schedule. We'll take our four, five, six yards off our stash rash play, whatever it is. And we're going to move the ball that way. And they did. And it was a good good game plan for much of the first half to you know, be able to put up 17 points. So does the narrative stay the same when it comes to Lamar Jackson? Yeah, I think so. You know, because it, whether it's his fault or Todd Munkins or whatever, it, it always falls on the quarterback. And so the quarterback has to be better than everybody else. And he's got to play his best in those championship games. And Patrick Mahomes, I mean, I think he played his first 12 passes, was a much better player that day. And so he's chasing Mahomes. He said, if you want to beat the best, you know, if you want to be the best, you got to beat the best. And he couldn't do it. And that's how these quarterbacks all get measured. Yeah, and I it is. To go. Yeah, and I do think that it's odd that just um, it seems like most analysts want to give Lamar Jackson a pass and they forget how Peyton Manning was ridiculed. Phillip Rivers was kind of dragged through the mud. Drew yeah. Brees for a portion. Dan Marino. I mean, the list goes mm-hmm. on and on and on. I'm curious if you feel that, like that that most analysts want to give him a pass. I, I kind of feel like they are in some way, but it, that's not how we that's not how we analyze these quarterbacks. We analyze them by Super Bowl championships and getting the Super Bowls, and you got to win championship games to get there. And so he fell short. He did not play well. The offense didn't obviously play well. Now, you could say Zay Flowers, you know, gets the ball poked out the goal line. All that is true. But at the, at the end of the day, when your offense scores 10 points 
the quarterback wasn't good enough. He wasn't dynamic enough. He didn't make splash plays in the passing game. He wasn't what you expect from a guy that many consider to be the MVP of the league. He didn't play like that and at that level. And I'm not being harsh on Lamar. I'm not a hater by any means. I just know that the guy on the other side played like the MVP, the way we are used to seeing him. And that's what we wanted to see from Lamar. And he fell short of that. Brian Baldinger, Odyssey NFL Insider with us. Insider calls are brought to us by Old Spice Gentleman's Blend Body Wash, providing exfoliation plus 24-7 miniaturization because men have skin too. I get it that I'm asking this question in a vacuum and it might need a little more nuance. However, Baldy, I'm watching Chris Jones out there. He's a force. Same way for Aaron Donald when the Rams won their uh, last Super Bowl is... Is there something to spending thirty million on a mother bleeper defensive lineman versus thirty million on the wide receiver du jour? I wouldn't. I, I would pay Chris Jones whatever he needs. He needs it because there's there's defensive tackles and there's defensive linemen out there that can have you know great regular seasons and they put up big numbers. Chris Jones knows how to finish games when when you need him the most, like he like against Buffalo, when you need him the most, he shows up. And uh, he, he's an amazing player, amazing player. And that defense isn't any, like, you know, they lost, you know, they lost another player and Charles who they lost Eric Nottie. Like they've got Chris Jones and a bunch of other guys right now up front. But he knows how to, to beat double teams, to close, to affect the quarterback. He did it in championship games. He's done it in Super Bowls. He did it Sunday. He, he's, he's special. And so salary cap is salary cap, but – you got to pay your stars. The stars win games, and he's the guy that wins games for you. Yeah, I'm, I'm curious. You know, we're talking to Brian Baldinger um, uh, on the Harbor One Hotline, NFL Network, Odyssey Insider, too. Man, you're everywhere. Um, the Detroit game, it's been picked apart like crazy, and more importantly, the decisions that Dan Campbell made. Where do you stand on a guy? I feel like, you know, on one hand, he has the courage of his convictions and he is who he is. And the other, other hand, he can't read the room. What's your opinion on how we handled the last, like, six minutes of that game? Well, I think, really, the, the critical one was fourth and two at the 28 after the, the 49ers in the third quarter took their drive down, you know, to cut the lead to, to 24 to 10. And so I thought at the 28-yard line, you picked up Badgley – because you thought he was a better kicker than Patterson. And then, you know, you, you, you have a 45-yard field goal attempt there to go back up three scores with seven minutes left in the third quarter. Like, if you just, if you just think about it, you're up three scores with seven minutes left in the third quarter. Like, you, I feel like you stop the momentum of San Francisco. You don't give him a chance. Yes, should Josh Reynolds catch the ball? Yeah. You know, it's not a great play. It's not a great throw. You could make the catch, and you keep marching, take time off the clock, maybe kick the, uh, maybe score a touchdown and put the game on ice. I understand the aggressiveness, but you're up three scores with seven minutes to go. You're in good shape. Like I just think in that moment, they probably should have kicked the field goal. I'm with you on that, Baldy. Christian and I broke that down a bunch. Then there is the group in San Francisco, and – why do you think there are people who are hesitant, Baldy, to give Brock Purdy any type uh, of flowers? Yeah, I don't. I don't get it. I don't. I've been a big fan since the first. I mean, I, I did some of those games at Iowa State. I didn't know he was going to be this uh, at Iowa State. But I, you know, the kid is—he's a silent assassin. 
Like, forget about where he's drafted. Forget about what he looks like. Like, the guy's literally statistically has been the best quarterback in the league for two years in a row. And they attacked the middle of the field the way Mike March used to attack the middle of the field with Kurt Warner. It takes a certain amount of guts. It takes a certain amount of fearlessness to be able to attack the middle of the field the way he does. And he, that's how he plays the game. And if, you know, Malcolm Rodriguez gets one because his hand gets hit, he gets one. But he doesn't, it doesn't affect him. It doesn't, it doesn't, there's no hangover effect to him. The guy just marches on. And everybody in that organization, especially the players, they believe in that guy 100%, saying that he's as good as what you have to be to win a Super Bowl. Um, the, the, whatever the naysayers are out there, I don't know if they're really watching the games, to be honest. Yeah, and I also think it is interesting. I think the whole I went to Iowa State uh, kind of is like, you know, a knock on him. And even when you look at, you know, I was looking at what he did in high school. Like, he was, he got he got offered a scholarship from Alabama. He got offered a scholarship from Illinois. He got offered some from smaller schools, and he chose Iowa State. Whatever. It seems to work. But um, back to the Patriots, Baldy, because um, oh, looks like, yeah, God. here we go. What do you make of the fact that they're interviewing so many offensive coordinators? Like, what is, what is, the, they, they got a defensive coordinator now, they got a special teams coordinator now, they still just can't figure out what they want to do on offense. Well, do any of the guys that are interviewing want the job? Because it's a hard job. Like, what are you working with? You're, you've got a depleted roster. Nobody believes that a Super Bowl winning quarterback is on the roster or somebody that can turn a dreadful offense around. I want to know what offensive coordinator that's out there wants that job. Now, Jared Mayo may be a great guy to work for, and he might be a miracle worker. None of us know. But that's a difficult job right now. It's not like, you know, the Philadelphia Eagles were interviewing guys. It's not like, okay, coming to Philly, you got a great offensive line. you got a quarterback that has played at a high level. You've got stud receivers. I mean, that's a, that's a good job. I don't know that the Patriots is a good job, and maybe that's one of the reasons why they're interviewing so many people. Because maybe some of them are just going up there going, well, let's just see what the plan is. What's the plan from an organization? How are we going to fix this thing? Because nobody's going to win with the talent that they have right now. At their skilled positions on offense. Do you think that's why they're, like I guess, leaning towards inexperienced passing game coordinators, assistant to the assistant? Like they, You think that's why they're shopping in that barrel bin? Maybe. I mean, I, I don't know what they're looking for. You know, I don't know what the, the, you know, what is, I don't know what Jared Mayo wants. Does he want a, a you know, a disciple of Sean McVay and Kyle Shanahan where it's just going to be motions and shifts and formations and we're just going to pre-snap, you know, read you to death. Does he want that? Does he want, you know, a Mike Vrabel type offense, which is we're just going to pound the football and we're going to do some play action and we're not going to get too crazy. Like, I don't know what he wants. And so, with, and I don't know if he knows what he wants. Oh. Like, I haven't heard him declare. I mean, am I making sense here, guys? Oh, Baldy, listen, I, we've been, and especially me, I've been betwixt and between because Mayo's kind of led us to think that the it's going to be quarterback at number three, and yet you don't really know what you want to do on offense. And it was in his deal for a year. He was going to be the guy. He's had time to think about it. And we're still kind of ping ding lingering around because for me, Baldy, if they're going to go quarterback at number three, you're making a big investment right there. You got to have the right structure in place to be able to get the most out of this guy. And my biggest fear is that they'll take someone at number three who might be okay, 
but what is around them, including and maybe more importantly from the coaching end, might not be able to get the most out of that player in a pick that really could re-energize the franchise. No doubt. I mean, look at the examples. Look at what Carolina did around Bryce Young. And if Bryce Young is even the guy, none of us know. Uh, but it wasn't a very good you know, sample this year. And then C.J. Stroud comes in and, oh, oh, you know, you've got the right system, the right coach, uh, and Bobby Slowick, and, you know, Nico Collins steps up, and all of a sudden, like, he becomes a number one. I mean, like, that thing took off. But you can look at all the examples where it didn't and where the coach and the system really affected the player. Joe Burrow comes in, and he's ballyhooed, and he's heralded. But, man, it sure helps that you've got three stud receivers you know, and you got a stud running back, and the defense was good. Like it's got to be, you've got to be set up for some success. And the system is important, and who calls the plays and how they call them are really, really important. So you know, Baldy, I think you're pretty level-headed, right? You know, you're pretty open-minded. You're not like you don't get caught up in the whole the shenanigans of you know the. And you're never a victim of the moment. That's I will say. Baldy is never a victim of the moment. He has the ability to to see through the BS. Okay, I'm giving you yeah. that's my way of giving you a compliment. You mean like he's seeing uh, I, through the BS <laughs> of you right <laughs> now? No, no, I'm not leading the witness at all. I'm not trying to get you. To, hold on, hold on. Yeah, I'm writing it. Down, I'm writing it down on a whiteboard right now. <laughs> <laughs> okay, because uh, I was busting. Uh, I was busting like you know Gresh a little bit yesterday because all the victim of the moments when it came to greatest of all time. Right, let's just play this game real quick, and suddenly. Yeah. You know, Brady was the greatest of all time and all his 23 years and all his accomplishments that just seem to be it's unrecognizable when you line them all up. And suddenly, here we go. I guess Patrick Mahomes is now the greatest co- quarterback in the history of the NFL. Um, I guess, who do you think is the greatest quarterback? It's it's a softball. Easy. Just yeah. who do you think? Yeah, Tom Brady. I mean, just because he did it over the longest stretch of time, he did it in a game where they were down 28-3, to and he, t- he threw a pick six, and he brought him back. Uh, there's 283 diamond-crusted little things on a ring to remind everybody of how far they brought him back. I mean, every situation, there was years when there was, you know, I mean, he was throwing to Troy Brown and finding ways to win Super Bowls. I, I, he did it in every situation. So it's, it's Tom Brady. I mean, it's not us. Like, they're, they're all warranted. Joe Montana, Bradshaw. They're all warranted at some level of greatness, and Patrick Mahomes is building his legacy. I mean, they're, you know, they they are in the middle right now of a a run like unlike we've ever seen before. So, um, you know, they're building a dynasty right in front of us, and nobody's ever done it like that before. So you can you can put different categories in there, but I think Brady deflected the question yesterday or whenever it was like really good. Like I just, he just wanted to be the best he could be. And he wasn't thinking about being the GOAT. And I don't think Mahomes is either. I just think he's enjoying this run for as long as it can last. Uh, And, Baldy, last thing for you. I know the Super Bowl is coming up. I know that there will be a pop star flying in from Japan. Uh, Does the Taylor Swift stuff bother you, number one? And number two, if asked to do the Taylor interview by the NFL Network, would you be all for that or would you politely step aside on that one because maybe you don't want to skate that lane? Well, first of all, none of it bothers me because honestly, like whatever brings more eyeballs to the game, 57 million people watch the 49ers, whatever brings more eyeballs to the game, I'm a fan of. 
and she brings a lot of eyeballs to the game. Eight-year-old girls that never watched football before are watching football. So I'm a fan. I'm a fan. I, I don't know one single Taylor Swift song. I don't know one. I, I have. I don't even. I couldn't spot. I don't know how many songs she has. Like if I interviewed her, and I would interview her, but I would feel like for the next ten days, I better start listening to some Taylor Swift music. So I, I, I know some references, some song titles, some rhythms. Are these dance songs, sing-along songs? I don't have some any hooks. idea. Yeah. I've never heard of one of her songs. Yeah, but uh, I would interview her for sure. Yeah. yeah, all girl dads should be really happy because most of the young girls who are fans literally won't not l- allow the channel to be changed with the with the chance of them missing uh, an opportunity to see her on TV. This is crazy. Hey, real quickly, here's the last one for me. I forgot to ask you this: Would you give Kirk Cousins two million? Uh, what two years, ninety million dollars? Mm. Uh, I love <laughs> Kirk Cousins. That's a big. That's a big ticket. <laughs> right? Uh, you think I, he'll get it? Yeah. I don't- uh, probably, I oh. mean, like they probably will get it. Like yeah. he's probably the wealthiest quarterback of all time right now, the contracts that he's been getting. Yeah. So, uh, you know, I haven't done the math or anything like that, but I, I don't like writing checks for $90 million for guys that, you know, finish the game, uh, with a torn Achilles. You never know just how you're going to come back from that. Great stuff, Baldy, as always. Thanks a bunch. We appreciate it, and uh, we'll catch you next week for some Super Bowl preview. Thank you. Thanks, buddy. Uh, I'm going to study some Taylor Swift this week. There you go. go. There you go. There you go. 1989, Baldy. Start there. (laughs) You'll be in good shape. Thank you, buddy. Is that the name of a song? That is. (laughs) uh, You know what? You'll figure it out. (laughs) (laughs) Baldy, thank you, man. There goes our guy, Brian Baldinger of NFL Network. He's an Odyssey NFL insider. Insider Calls brought to you by Old Spice. Men... Have skin too.